later on. Hopefully, we're all going forward to make more money. So when you do start making that money, you're more in control of it. Hello, and welcome to Mean Green Money, the UNT Student Money Management Center podcast that explores everything you need to know to be financially successful in college and beyond. Today, we're going to take a break from interviews and reach into the Mean Green mailbag to answer real questions from real students over topics including budgeting, retirement savings, and credit. Hope you enjoy. All right, so today I'm here with two of our peer mentors, Renisha and Austin. Do you guys want to say hi? Hi. Hi, how you doing? That was very unenthusiastic. Hi. Okay. Hi, everyone. We're so happy to be here. We're just really hoping we provide you with the necessary information. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. Good time. And today, the point of our podcast is to answer questions that come from real students. So if you have questions you didn't hear them answered on the show, please send them to us so you can make it in one of our next Mean Green Mailbag episodes. Cool! Let's see what we're starting off with today. I pulled my credit report, but there's not a score on it. I thought my score was all that mattered, so why isn't it here? What do you guys have to say about that one? You want to go? No, me. No, you can take the first one. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I think we all get confused with it, but a credit report and a credit score are totally different things. So, when you get your three uh, federal free credit reports, your credit report actually tells you what goes into the actual score. So, think about it as a paper. When your teacher is writing those little notes, that's the credit report, and then your grade is the credit score. Yeah, and the thing to keep in mind with this, too, is there are a lot of different credit scoring systems, but most of them are going to be based off of some sort of information that's found on your credit report. So if you go straight to that source, to the credit report, and you make sure everything on there is accurate, that's going to help you out no matter what scoring system somebody would look like. Also, uh, even if you do get the three free credit reports from the borough, that doesn't mean they're going to give you your credit score free. So you might have to go somewhere else to get the actual score, or if your bank offers it, you can do that as well. Yeah, or there are a lot of free services like a Credit Karma or Credit Sesame where you might be able to sign up and receive your credit score for free. Cool beans. All right, next. Uh, Did you guys see that article? I think it was from Market Watch that was floating around Twitter uh, that people were freaking out about because the headline said that you need to have twice your income saved for retirement by age 35. Um, No, I don't think I saw that that, article. Article. What was it? How did you go into detail about? I don't know. I didn't actually ever read the article. I just saw that there was like a giant uproar among people around the age of 35 or younger saying that it is completely impossible or impractical. And then, of course, there's backlash from the other side saying, yeah, but that's what you have to do. So this Panic. question just says, Twitter says I need twice my income saved for retirement by 35. What? With a lot of A's. Well, uh, I like to call that panic news. Well, it just kind of just made made just made you panic. Um, I'm basically retirement is whatever life you feel like you want when you get to what when you no longer want to work. So that retirement fund is really based upon you. You have any? Um, I would say uh, kind of going off what Vernish was saying. It it really boils down to whatever you are comfortable with. If you're comfortable with retiring off of uh, $150,000, then that's what you're comfortable with. If you feel like you need more than that to be comfortable with, um, with all your expenses and everything, then 
shoot for more. Um, but all of it comes down to really what you're saving. Um, you just kind of have to figure out how you are saving personally and then adapt to what you want your goals to be. Yeah, and I mean, it's natural to see kind of rules like that and freak out a little bit, especially if you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. But you can also remember that, you know, people come from different life circumstances and they save at different paces. Mm -hmm. So if you're not saving at all, it's probably definitely a good idea to start looking at your budget and figuring out where can I begin to find some of this money? Because the the sooner you start doing it, the younger you are, the easier it's going to be because you have a lot more time to invest that money and have it grow a lot. But everyone goes at a different pace, so don't freak out if you're not exactly at every single benchmark at the right time. Yeah, so the best thing to do if you do want to look into, you know, saving for retirement is start looking into different vehicles that you can use. Uh, I know, Becca, you have an RA Roth. Yeah, Roth IRA. Roth IRA, and that seems to be working pretty well for her, so she started saving by now but just start doing your research right now even if you don't necessarily have the funds but do your research on something that sounds oh that's a good idea i could start off by saving this amount of money mm-hmm. and if you're still in college right now once you graduate and start working full-time you'll probably have a 401k or a 403b or something offered to you and the advantage of that is that you can set it up to save a certain amount of money before you ever get your paycheck and that way it won't feel like you're giving something up to save you'll just be kind of saving automatically in the background. And you could end up with twice your income by age 35 if you set up those percentages from the beginning. Yeah, especially if your company matches pretty well. So if it matches like 50% or 75% or 100%. Yeah, that's free money. It can <laughs> certainly help you uh, build that retirement nest egg. Yeah, uh, so have you guys done any retirement saving yet? Uh, I haven't done any retirement saving. I've just done some general savings. Um, I need to get looking into retirement savings because... You're old. Like you both said, the sooner you start, the better you're off. And you can do it through your employer, and you can also do it on your own, like an IRA or a Roth IRA. You don't really need anything to open that besides the fact that you have to earn some income to be able to put it into it. So that's something you can look at if you're concerned about that. Next one. I made a budget thinking it would help me find some extra money to save every month, but it turns out that I need every dollar I make just to cover my needs. What's the point of budgeting if I'm not making any progress? Uh, I'll take that one. Um, So the fact that you budgeted means that you're already making progress, first off. Um, Secondly, when it comes to budgeting, you have to figure out where your money's coming from, how much you're getting in, and then you have to figure out where your money's going to each month. Um, So if you're bringing in, say, $1,000 and going out is like $950, that means that you have $50 left over to kind of play with or save or do whatever you want with. Now, if your budget is, a th- if you're bringing in $1,000 and you're giving out $1,000, then you have to look at a couple of different things. A, maybe you can find some way to get more money in, uh, maybe a second job, maybe a loan. Uh, there's a lot of options for that. And B, you have to look at, well, is there something in my budget that I can cut or reduce that I'm not spending as much money on? And then once you do that, then you can find a, kind of find those areas where you can, and then your budget will look better over time. Yeah. And you can also think about the fact that just because you might not be making progress, feel like you're making progress in numbers, you can still be making progress in habits. Yeah. So if you're building those habits of tracking your expenses and planning and sticking to a budget, mm-hmm. that habit is going to pay off when you start making more money and have yeah. enough money. Later on, hopefully we're all going forward to make more money so when you do start making that money you're more in control of it in life you're ready for it now 
Yeah, that's a, that's definitely what I always tell students when they're like, well, I don't have enough money to budget or um, I really don't think, you know, I, I know what I have to pay for it, but it's always good because later on, hopefully we're all going forward to make more money. So when you do start making that money, you're more in control of it. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. What are your favorite ways to save money? Uh, I used to, <laughs> when I was working for a, a grocery store, I used to get paid weekly, and if anyone's been paid weekly, you know that that is the easiest money to spend because when you turn around, you're going to have more money. Like, if you spend all your money, you're going to have some more, and I, I do miss that, but I was having a hard time saving. So what I did was, and uh, this doesn't have to be, you know, anyone else's, I got a Netflix, a net spin account, and I basically sent, sent like, 30% to the net spin card, and 30% of my check would every week go towards, and I cut up that card. And since it's a online service, I couldn't go to a branch or anything. There was no way to access it. And so I knew when I really, really needed the money, then I would, like, get another card, and I'll take some time. So I would be able to, like, not see my money or do anything to, like, spend it. So that was really good for me when I was younger. Yeah, I think a lot of times the biggest... One of the easiest and biggest things you can do is, like, the out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You don't see the money in your account. You learn to live without it, and you don't feel like it's money that you can spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Austin? What do you do? Um, I kind of do the same thing. Um, so with my, my bank account, I have two – I use two different banks. Um, I use one for my regular checking, and then I have a savings attached to that. And then the other bank, I have just a savings. Um, so with my – the bank that has the checking and savings, um, I'll have it deposit – 20 bucks out of a paycheck into that savings. And then with the other bank, I kind of do the same thing with Renisha. Um, I don't have a credit, I don't have a card attached to that or anything. It's literally just a savings account. Um, it has to be an electronic withdrawal. Um, so I, then for each month I put $50 into that one. Um, so kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, I know people that if they get a check, what they'll do is they'll go and they'll deposit it and they'll take out 20 bucks and they'll stick it and they'll stick it under their mattress basically. Um, sometimes that works, but with that, you're not really accruing any interest. So that might, may not be the best way to do it. How did you pick what bank to put your savings account in? Um, I went to orientation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't have a bank account. They're like, you need one. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. And then, you know, yeah, I was, yeah. I also, my my bank account that's checking and savings as well as Fargo. Um, my, the one that's just a savings is actually a credit union. Um, they usually have a higher interest rate to be able, so you save more, you gain more over time with that interest rate. Yeah. I know you're talking about ally and I've been, um, I'm, since I am, you know, leaving, I've been trying to figure out what I was going to do for my banking, and I think I'm going to put, like, my new savings into that. Yeah, there can be a pretty big variance in interest rates, because I used to have a Wells Fargo savings account, and I think it paid 0.01% yeah. interest. Yeah. But now um, I have it in Ally, which is a like, completely online bank, and I think I'm getting 1.6%, mm-hmm. which is still not a lot of interest, but is way higher than 0.01%. Yes. I think with the, the savings account through the credit union, I'm getting, I want to say it's just under 2%, um, and for most of my friends, that's probably the best interest rate I've, I've found um, without actually having, like, to keep a balance. Without or, having to keep a re- yeah. ridiculously low balance. Or some fees or anything like yeah. that. So, yeah, if you do buy a savings account that has a really great interest rate, check on the fees or check on the um, 
amount you might have to maintain and if just make sure you watch out for those things. Yeah, I would say, you know, there's enough banks out there that don't mm-hmm. charge monthly fees, especially for students, that you should be very suspicious of yeah. what value <laughs> you're getting if you do end up with a bank account that makes you pay. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's, fees. there's a lot of, and not even just like in-person banks, but also just online banks. Um, I know y'all talking about Ally. Um, Simple is also one that you can use. Um, they don't offer any, um, they don't, I'm sorry, they don't charge any, uh, fees off of that um, and I believe their interest rate's pretty good and it's again it's that all online thing um, they also I believe when you use an ATM they reimburse you if it charges you a fee wow so that might be something yeah to that's look at. a decent feature that, especially when it's an online bank where you can't just walk into a branch and yeah. get cash <laughs> yeah so and it's also but I think the reason they do that is because they don't have any ATMs themselves so there's and no that's saving them money honestly no absolutely so it, it's it, it. I think that works out in the end for you okay yeah and you know quick side note we can't recommend any banks yeah. to you. We're just kind of a personal experience about the things that we've used and the things that we've seen out there. Obviously, what's best for you may be the same or maybe completely different from what works for us. Yeah, just maybe look around a website I like to use, but I'm not totally not not forcing it upon anyone's life. It's <laughs> Nerd Wallet, and it's really good about comparing different banks to whatever you want. Basically. Yeah, I basically send everyone either Nerd Wallet or Bankrate to yeah. compare different things. Not just that. Um, Looking online is definitely a great feature, especially in today's world, but also just like talk to your friends, talk to your family, um, see what experiences they have had with different banks or different online companies, um, because word of mouth is a very powerful thing, um, and, you'll, and you may not always find honest reviews online. And you can find some very strong opinions from your family. Absolutely. True. True. I, true. Next one is, how can I develop multiple sources of income while I'm in school? <laughs> Um, I'd love to speak on this. So I actually have three jobs. Um, and on top of that, I do go to BioLife uh, here in Denton. Every day I'm hustling. Uh, every day. <laughs> um, it's really about balance. Um, I work three jobs. I go to school full time and I still manage a social life. It's very, you really have to balance and plan out your schedule. Um, I, once you get to two jobs, you have you will have figured out how to balance your schedule. Um, three jobs, it just gets a little bit crazier from there, but it's definitely something you can do. So I know you mentioned BioLife. Um, that's really great if you're not too bad with needles. Also, if you have a car or anything, you could do Uber, and if you feel like maybe Uber isn't the safest option, you can do Uber Eats. And I know someone who is making about $343 a week just doing Uber Eats. Not just yeah. that, um, you could also do, like, uh, I believe it's Lodell and Lyft are also great alternatives to that as well. Yeah, so there are definitely ways where you can have your, your day job and then you can also use some aspect of the sharing economy, like Uber Eats and all this stuff, mm-hmm. to have a side hustle that will let you earn some other money whenever you're free. Yeah, and there's a website called, uh, I think it's something about errands. Um, I guess you're going to... Uh, DoorDash is also a good one you could look at. No, there's one where you actually just run errands for oh, people. Favor? Yeah, favor. Favor. Yeah, you see yeah. all the billboards for that. Yeah, yeah. so oh, if you now. yeah, if you want to walk dogs or babysit anything, then you can make some extra money. But also when you in when you're in school, just make sure that the, your main priority is being in school. If the extra money is just for like um fun money or just so you can have a little bit more room, just make sure that you're not losing sight of you gaining that degree to make more money because that's the main reason you're here. So. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, when they ask this question, are looking at like, sources of passive income 
where they're not having to go out and actually do a lot of work to get it? Um, well, in that case, I mean, there are some online options you could definitely look at. Um, there's always investing. Um, yeah, again, I think that's... I make like 54 cents a quarter in dividends. So, yeah, you know, so, I mean, didn't that's... work for that. I got my $2 a year. <laughs> in stash. That's better than nothing, though. Um, but you just got to be careful with the stock market because sometimes you can't predict what's going to happen. And never think that it's going to be like fast money. If you're going to have passive income, understand that it might come in a little bit slower than you actively doing something. But you can just start with like things like stash or try to, I have a thing called DOSH and it's for, it'll give me cash back when I go to certain stores. So that stuff kind of helps save and it gives you money at the same time. Passive income is great, but a lot of the times in order to have the passive income, you have to have a big upfront investment. Whether it's the money to actually put investments that, you know, pay dividends or will appreciate in value or a down payment if you're trying to get rental properties or, you know, if it's some kind of intellectual property that you're getting royalties off of or selling ebook, then it's a it's a time investment upfront yeah. to be able to have that income be passive air quotes True. later. Or you could um, maybe try to have DJ Cali adopt you because <laughs> I know he gave royalties to his son and I'm just yeah. like, hey, yeah, are you sure parents, you don't need a daughter or anything yeah, like that? Be like, okay, so do we have a rich uncle somewhere? Like, are you guys hiding him? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Seriously. It's like, is this a whole joke? Have we been joking the whole time? I get, I understand money now, guys. We can act like we're rich again. Calm down. So, but all right what's the difference between work study and just getting a job is there any reason that i would want to do work study if i could get a higher paying job somewhere off campus uh the only reason why you would it kind of depends on you and this is where you start one role of college i always say that people should know first is uh, know thyself and that's what college really teaches you it teaches you what you can balance if you can balance uh, off-campus job, which is usually more demanding. Maybe they're not as flexible with your school schedule, and maybe like you have to travel long distance. Distance, then okay, that's cool. But with a on-campus job, it's one you really probably won't have to travel as far if you live on campus. Um, they're a little bit more understanding, and also the hours aren't um, as bad. So I know on our campus, it's twenty hours a maximum. Twenty hours during the um, week semester you can only work a week so that really helps me balance school and I'm not really overwhelmed and also I don't know I've this is like the best job I've ever had and so yeah I think you also asked about work study balance like what's the difference um so difference between work study and just getting a job um I've had work study in the past. Um, actually, I'm on work study now with this job. Uh, my other two jobs are off campus. Um, like Renisha was saying, one thing you really have to think about is scheduling, in my opinion. Um, again, it kind of goes back to what she was saying about know thyself. Um, if you can work those extra hours and be able to like run effectively and efficiently, then do it. Um, if you don't think it's going to take a toll on your grades uh, or your social life or anything like that that's important to you, then do it. Um, again, this is just my opinions, though. Yeah. yeah, and looking at it from kind of a more technical point of view, if you're looking at a work-study job, there is a little bit of a difference in the amount of taxes that you're going to have to pay. You don't have to pay as many taxes from income that you earn from work-study, but if you're making, you know, $11 off campus versus $9 on campus, 
it might you might still come out ahead even though you're paying more in income taxes off campus. And then the other thing to think about is if you're just kind of on the edge with FAFSA between being able to qualify for uh, grants or different types of loans, then your off-campus job is going to make a bit bigger difference uh, to your EFC when you're filling out your FAFSA than a work-study job would. Um, But it's kind of, you know, like they said, knowing yourself, knowing your priorities and what the better fit is for you. I think I need to take out a private loan to pay off my tuition balance, but I'm scared to ask my parents to co-sign. They're very anti-debt, so I've been trying to handle everything myself, and I'm afraid they're going to be disappointed in me for wanting more loans. Are there other options, and how do I approach my parents about co-signing? Oof. Um, I mean, there's definitely options. This situation, you've got a lot of options. First Uh, thing I would recommend is talk to your parents. Like, talk to them about it. Tell them what's going on. See if there's something that y'all can work out together um, without having to take out a private loan. My last recommend, I mean, like, very, very last thing I would recommend anybody to do pay tuition is a, is a private loan. Um, definitely see if, if there are any other scholarships that you have missed. Maybe you can apply for those because if you're not applying for scholarships, you're just leaving money on the table. Um, that, those are my two best options for you. Uh, and I would say when you do approach your parents, if you've narrowed down that, you know, this is basically your best option if you're in that situation – do your research before you approach your parents with it and figure out some of those numbers about kind of exactly how much money you would need, what the terms would be, what their responsibilities and your responsibilities would be with it. So you're going to them informed from the beginning, and that can help show that you're taking this seriously and you want to go about it responsibly. Because I'm sure that's what a big fear of any parent who's trying to co-sign is that, you know, how is my student going to deal with this? Is there a chance that I'm going to have to make these payments? Can I handle making these payments if my student doesn't? And if you go there with informed, with a plan, knowing all the terms, that could probably help quell some of those fears that your parents might have. I would also say, um, one, maybe start talking to your financial aid office and see if there's any way they can kind of work with you on that and see if there's anything they're offering, such as um, before you skipped over to private loans, see if there is Parent PLUS loans with the federal government, which is way better than taking out a private loan. Yeah, it's still kind of that same idea of asking your parents yeah. to do that for you. Though. But it's not as much of a – it's not as bad because usually their uh, interest rates are a lot lower, so that might make your parents a little bit more comfortable. Well, wouldn't they still be thinking about the like a parent plus loan being solely in the parent's name versus a private loan being primarily in the student's name? Do you um, think you're going that's that? where a, That's where your advice about making sure that they kind of do, do their research and also be prepared to hear no. If that's the case with your parents saying no, then go see if you can seek out other co-signers that may not necessarily be other family members because it doesn't have to be your parents that co-sign for you. And I'm sure if, if you do get a no, I highly doubt that it's your parents trying to be mean to you. Yeah. It's because that's what they believe is best for you and their financial situation. And I'm sure, you know, they're doing it because they love you. In most cases, not because, you know, right. they're just they're trying, trying to look to out for you. or they don't want you to succeed or anything like yeah. that. They're just trying to look out for you in the long run because in the long run, 
you're going to probably, depending on how much you take out, you may end up paying back more for a private loan than a uh, a regular uh, federal loan. Yeah, and unfortunately, maybe one of the things is, is it is it financially feasible for you to continue on school or do you want to just take off a semester and kind of work a little bit and look at other options of payment? And as well as just thinking about kind of where your parents are coming from, um, if anyone, we all have lived through the recession in 2008, and I can see where their fear is coming with the debt. So just that might be like another place for you to kind of say, okay, I understand where they're coming from. I, I think that was the last question that we're going to get to in this episode, but watch out for future Mean Green Money episodes in the future. Do you guys have any parting thoughts, recommendations, anything interesting you've seen lately that you'd like to share? Parting thoughts, I would just say, um, when it comes to anything money-related, um, always do your research, always do your research, always do your research, um, because there are a lot of uncertainty out there, um, and the more research that you, the more effort that you put into research, the better off you're going to be in the long run. Also, I wanted to say is, think about future you, all right, as you make these decisions, will future you be like, gosh, I'm so proud of my younger self, or will future you be like, I really don't know who that child was, and I hope they get their life together. Or, you know, just make decisions. Understand that the things that you do today will definitely affect what you do, you know, what happens to you later on, or, you know, life later on. So if you start making those smart decisions today, you can definitely have smart decision outcome thingies tomorrow. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see you all next week. If you would like to hear your questions answered on a Mean Green Mailbag episode, please send them to money.management at umit.edu with the subject line, Mean Green Mailbag. The Student Money Management Center is your on-campus resource for all things personal finance. For more information about us, you can go to moneymanagement.unt.edu or visit our office at Chestnut Hall 313. Any additional questions, comments, or feedback for the show can be sent to money.management at unt.edu. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow students. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.